0: This, 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 this is K-U-T. you. KUT. KUT, Austin. Stop. I used to get mad at my school.
1: And welcome to Higher Ed, KUT's podcast focusing on issues of higher education, lifelong learning, and exercising the brain. I'm Jennifer Staten with KUT 90.5, Austin's NPR station, talking as always with Dr. Ed Berger, president of Southwestern University in Georgetown, Texas. Hello, Ed. Hello, Jennifer.
0: And how are you this week? I am doing well. How are you? I'm, I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you. I'm feeling good. Feeling strong, I, we had a fun little conversation right before we started here, and so I'm in a good mood.
1: I need, I could use a little catch up in the sleep department. I think. Oh
0: well, then you want? Why don't you be, t- take a take a uh, a lead from our <laughs> listeners and nap right now. No.
1: No, 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 no. We we don't want people napping during the podcast, but perhaps after. I think they nap during. You know that that a lot
0: of people have told me. Uh, speaking of our listeners, that a lot of them listen, to, you know, in, in the car, and so I do not want them sleeping right. While no, no, driving. no,
1: no napping there. No yeah. napping there. So Ed, I wanted to talk about a topic that I just find fascinating. Certainly in the area of education, but also just in our lives in general. But let's let's start talking about in education. So it was occurring to me. I think I was. Literally, I think I was driving down the street or driving by a a building or something, and I saw a sign for a place that does tutoring. Mm -hmm. And they they work with – I think it's elementary school, junior high, and high school students, but not higher ed students. And I started thinking, you know, the whole concept of asking for help – I think it's challenging for some people to mm-hmm. admit that something is a challenge, that they need some help with it. And then I started thinking, wow, what about in the realm of education? Because there's so much in that where there's grades and there's class rank and all this stuff saying, you know, you're good or you're bad or, you know. And I wanted to have a discussion about reaching out and asking for help specifically in the world of learning and education, because it also just seems very personal, mm-hmm. like I shouldn't. I shouldn't need help. Like right. I should. I should know everything already, and if I should be able to learn it. And so, I'm. I want to get your take on a couple of sort of slices of this discussion. And I think the first one is from your vantage point in your time as a scholar and also a teacher and a president. How do you? How have you? And how do you encourage students to go get help if they need it? Go get tutoring. Go to a study group. Come to office hours. How do you? nudge them along and say hey this is totally fine.
0: It's a really interesting question and and a wonderful topic because it 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 really I think transcends so many facets of of human existence including how you were raised, where you were raised, uh your gender even, I'd say. You know, the idea that, you know, I think traditionally Boys are less likely to ask questions than girls because, you know, they don't want to look stupid or whatever. You know, this is kind of a – sense. it's just – so it's fascinating. But in terms of what you just asked me, which is how do you encourage that, I think it's multifold. First of all, one needs to encourage it. So you have to just kind of say this is a good thing and, and make it clear how, how – that this is not something that marks you – in a, in one way, you know, smart or dumb or good or bad, but in fact, it marks you as a curious person who wants to become even better. Which to me is an attitude we should be embracing: the idea of constantly growing, constantly evolving. And so you put it in in that kind of mindset. But also, let me put this whole thing on its head and say it's not just a matter of getting help. It's, it's what kind of help do they get and what do we do with it? So for example, coming to my office hours, if I'm just going to give you the answers, then that's certainly not very helpful at all, even though they feel like they're getting help. So in my case, uh, students often uh, are very frustrated when they come to my office hours because I challenge them to think in front of me so I can oh, hear that thinking yeah. and then work on that thinking with them rather than saying, I got, I got the answer wrong, so how do I do it? Right. What, how do I get the right answer? Exactly. And, and so that also changes the d- dynamic. I do something very weird, for example, during my office hours. Do you want to hear what it is? Yes. Very strange. I do not let students write things down.
1: Oh, it's all it's all verbal and thought, nothing. No, we can
0: write things down in, in, in front of, like, you know, okay. on, on, on a whiteboard or blackboard uh-huh. or on a piece of paper, but they can't take it with them. Oh. So they can't take notes in office hours and then use them later. And this drives students crazy, but I want them to have this be a help, but not a crutch. Okay. But I don't care what they do. So literally, sometimes I will have students do the following. We'll be talking about something, you know, mathematical or things and, and they know they can't write it down. So they'll just run out of my office and like into the hallway and they'll sit there and they'll start making notes there, which is fine because now they're writing their own stuff. Or if they d- can't figure it out, like I still don't get it, then come back in. And it meant that that conversation wasn't as effective as it could be. So let's talk about it again. I will go over it 20 times with you. But at the end of the day, you will have to independently be able to generate it. And to me, that's effective help. Well, I think that's a big, that's a big
1: part of the discussion is the essence of that kind of help, because just sitting down with someone and having them say, no, two plus two is four, and essentially doing it for the student, that doesn't get them
0: anywhere. And, and from their vantage, the student's vantage point, especially you know, younger folks, they're like, okay, now I got it. But the truth is, if I create another question that's similar, they won't even know how to begin. And so it's absolutely right. That's why I, I don't let them take anything with them from my office. They have to be able to do it independently. And then I know they're making progress.
1: So before we move on, I got to ask the question that popped into my head. Did yeah. they ever try to sneak and take a picture of the whiteboard with their phones? Oh, that's wonderful. Have you wonderful. ever had a student try to do that? Not
0: sneak, but I've had students take out their phones. And, and, and I just say, no, no, So that's the same not. as
1: writing it well, down. Well, of course. I mean, yeah. it,
0: it, it's someone else's stuff that uh-huh. you're now going to be looking at for stimulation. I want you to have this as a memory and be able to use that to pull your own stimulation out intellectually.
1: So you brought up another really, I think, key point in this whole discussion, and I, I had, had seen some research on this also of the role that peers actually play in this whole landscape of getting help. And you mentioned, you know, that that perhaps younger times in school that boys may be less likely to ask a question or show that that they're not or, or even some at, even at the college level, by
0: the way, oh, not really? so young. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that, and again, it's, it's also how you're raised, the upbringing. I'm supposed to be independent. And the idea of asking for help is a sign of weakness. You know, these things uh, exist to some extent and we have to overcome them.
1: Well, and it's interesting, you know, if you think about a classroom, if it's sort of a traditional classroom setting, you're you're with, you know, primarily a bunch of peers. Some of them are probably your friends, some of them not. But to raise your hand, to either ask a question or ask for help or conversely to not raise your hand because you don't know the answer. I mean, you're showing all these peers that there's something that you have not mastered yet or learned yet or sort of dug into yet. And that can be really hard, especially well, at some of these stages of the game. Yeah. But
0: now we're stumbling on familiar ground to all of our list, all our dedicated listeners about the importance of effective failure. And if you create a classroom environment where in fact saying something that's not quite right or asking a question, which is one of the other elements of effective thinking is to create questions, then in fact, it empowers you. It makes you look like even a deeper thinker. So in fact, if that is part of your culture of how uh, individuals see learning as taking place, asking questions and making mistakes are actually a sign of greatness rather than a sign of weakness. But the one thing about the peers that I I wanted to make sure we talked about is the idea of peer-to-peer learning and collaboration. Mm -hmm. And I think that there is so much... Value In having uh, individuals work together and learn from each other. And so the dynamic of of group work and and, and study groups and things of that sort, I think, um, do have their place. I don't think it should eclipse independent work, because at the end of the day, if it's an exam, you take the exam, not you and your friends. And it's interesting that, that I I suffered from some of these problems in that when I was a student, I did not like working with other people because I figured I have to figure this all out for myself. And as a result – and it wasn't – I don't think I was embarrassed, although maybe I was a little bit and I was, didn't want to you know look dumb. But the truth was, as a result, I held myself back from learning interesting lessons and insights from my peers that I would have gotten that would have made me a stronger – thinker, but those were opportunities missed. And and so I'm hoping that today people will miss them less and engage more.
1: All right. I never want to miss an opportunity for a puzzler. You are
0: so good with those segues. I,
1: I, they just pop into my head. They what sure can I do. say? So it's time for a new puzzler. And so what do you have for us?
0: Someone uh, sent me this. Oh, great. Yeah. And I think this is great. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. Okay. So a scarf, Uh huh. a carrot... And five pieces of coal are found lying on a hill near a remote house. Nobody put them on the lawn. Okay. But there's a perfectly logical reason why they should be there. Okay. And the question is, why?
1: All right. And you already have this. Well, a, you already have, you have like an epiphany. Let me see if so, you drew a picture
0: or anything and no. Okay. Yeah,
1: I did. Here's my house. Oh, yeah, there's that. And here's the hill. <laughs> oh,
0: but you don't have the actual objects. Okay. <laughs> no.
1: No, I have a list of the objects. And then I- So those, I, objects,
0: I, those objects were found on this remote- Scarf, like, carrot, scarf, five, pieces, car- of five pieces of coal on a remote- And no one put them on the lawn.
1: Right. Much like the puzzler two weeks ago about 999 dollars oh, versus, register. versus yeah. $10, yes. I had something that popped into my head right away. Uh-huh. I, have j- I Actually, I better jot it down. Because I may forget.
0: Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to slide over to Yeah, three. I
1: don't know if you're going to be able to read my writing. Let me see, hold can you read that word? You're yeah. not going to be able to read it. You can't read
0: it. I, I can read it, and you are correct. Oh, okay. Wow. So Well, that was the fastest solution ever.
1: Well, for me, it may be the fastest solution ever. I was going to so,
0: give you a hint, but I don't think well, I need go to ahead. give it.
1: Well, a... go ahead and give the hint, Should though. Should I give the hint? Yeah, give the hint.
0: If our listeners do not want to hear a hint, just turn down the volume okay. for literally two seconds. Or go la, seconds. la, 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 la. Yeah, yeah. yeah Exactly. I think that this puzzle is going to be more challenging for our listeners in Texas than our listeners in Illinois.
1: Yes, you are correct. Thank you. All right, this is a really fun one.
0: Yeah, but you got it's... it so quickly; it makes me sad. Oh, why does that make? Well, you... because you weren't challenged at all.
1: Oh, I was challenged. Oh, really? I think the okay. just the time the the time was compressed. I see. <laughs> the time of challenge <laughs> it was instantaneous challenge was, challenge was, was compressed. <laughs> okay, um,
0: fair enough. And you didn't ask for help.
1: But you know, so often, I'm trying to do a segue back to yeah, our topic. Very very skillful, Thank and you. often I do. And I like the fact that you actually offered help for everybody. The hint is Mm -hmm. help. That's right. Often I do ask for help or I will struggle and strain a little and you'll come in and it becomes very, very collaborative. But but even
0: with that, it's interesting that that when you and I engage, and maybe this is just because how I live my life, you know, it's never a matter of saying, oh, no, here's how to do it. It's always a matter of, oh, let's listen to your Mm -hmm. idea, your guess, your thought, and then work from there. And and so I guess in some sense, we're modeling the behavior that I'm suggesting for, for people to get effective assistance for them to, to learn more deeply.
1: Well, and as we wrap up this discussion about asking for help and getting for help in the realm of learning and education, I wanted to think about how teachers fit into this picture for just a minute, because I'm imagining, and you can speak to this being a teacher and having been a teacher for for a long time. I imagine there's some pressure on teachers to feel like they always have to know all the answers. Mm. I mean, what? how hard must it be for a teacher if a student in a class raises his or her hand and says, Dr. Berger, do you know about blah, blah, blah? Or have you heard of blah, blah, blah? Or right. how does blah, blah, blah work? And you don't know the answer? In my mind, a teacher ought to be able to say, wow, that's a great question. And you know what? I'm not familiar with that, but let's go research it together. But I imagine that for a lot of teachers, they feel like they've got to be masters of the topic and never be in that situation. But
0: but what you first said is exactly right, that we as educators need to acknowledge and share with our students, that we, too, are lifelong learners and we model that for our students. And so it's not an embarrassment when we don't know uh, an answer, but rather it's a, it's a point of celebration, and that's exactly right. Now, now if uh, an educator is kind of insecure with the material, then you can imagine – like I, I always think of the, the little student like in third grade that approaches the teacher and says, oh, you know, I found a, a really neat other way to do this thing. Can I do it my way? And the teacher says, do it the way that I showed you, and it's in the book, and that pulls all the creativity and all the imagination out of it when, in fact, the, the correct, you know, the wonderful response would be, well, let's sit down and see if it's equivalent to the kind of thing that we were talking about in class and figure it out together. And when students ask me questions, I don't know, I I get excited and said, oh, that's a great question. I have no idea. Now, as we become f- deeper and deeper experts in our fields, I mean, for example, when you're at the university level and, and you're engaged in the scholarship, then your base, your knowledge base is, is, is so much deeper than that of uh, most of our students that usually you can answer a lot of questions, even the off-the-wall ones. But that's why it's so exciting when someone asks a question that you either hadn't thought about or that you just didn't know the answer to because then it's a moment of celebration, like, wow. You know, that's great. Okay, let's figure that out together or come by my office and let's let's, you know, think about it together. And I always say let's do it together, because I think then it's fun for them to see how I would think through something.
1: And just to wrap up Ed, I'm curious if you could share with us or reflect on a time during your academic career either as a student or an educator or now as president of Southwestern University, which encompasses, of course, still teaching and being an educator, a time when you remember Asking for help. You shared earlier that Hmm. as a student you wished you had done it more, but can you think of a time when you did that and it it really had an impact?
0: It really helped you. Well, I'll I'll tell you what first came to mind. I was a senior in high school and I had an amazing calculus teacher. Her name was Lisa Metzler. And I could not understand logarithms. Now I can manipulate them, but I couldn't understand them. And I remember sitting she, – she was on a hall monitor duty. Remember this? Like where the oh, teacher yeah. would be like at a crossroads between two uh, intersecting hallways and then students would have to have notes to get through. This was a whole uh-huh. different generation. This is probably before your time. And I remember sitting next to her. First of all, I just adored her. So I just love being with her. But I love sitting next to her and she would be in the hallway. She'd be trying to explain logarithms. And then there was this moment where all of a sudden – this thing clicked it was the first and maybe the only time where i had this like light bulb experience and ever since then logarithms have been part of me and it was sitting there with lisa metzler uh in at the crossroads of a, of a high school hallway listening to her repeat herself again and again and all of a sudden it it happened
1: well dr ed berger thank you for helping us keep our brain sharp dr ed berger is president of southwestern university in georgetown texas you can find out more at southwestern.edu. And you can keep your brain busy by keeping up with the news and other episodes of Higher Ed at KUT.org. You can also find us on iTunes and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jennifer Staten, KUT News.